We're focusing on two verses out of chapter 55 of Isaiah today, the first two verses. Would you join me as we stand and read? Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk. I lost my place. Without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest of fare. The word of the Lord. Well, I'll try to keep this short today because you all heard that Bob's cookies are waiting for you out there. <laughs> yeah, you know that's probably not true, don't you? Yeah. It's like, it's like board meetings, the, the nights I tell Julie, oh, it should be short, are the nights we go the longest. So anyway, who knows what to expect. Hunger and thirst are universal. True? They're universal. They, they, they represent basic needs of our body. We all know what it is to be hungry and thirsty. We also know what it is to have our hunger and thirst satiated. In fact, when we feel these basic needs, we go looking for whatever will satisfy them. And in our culture of, a, culture of abundance, we generally have no trouble finding the things we need to fill our stomachs and quench our thirsts. So we go to the refrigerator, the cupboard, the faucet, or... Uh, maybe not finding what we want or need there, we turn to the store or the restaurant, and uh, after a while, we're feeling better. Yeah, sometimes we are. Sometimes we're feeling worse because we ate too much. <laughs> the offer of bread, water, milk, wine would not necessarily appeal to us. We can do better than that. After all, bread has gluten and is full of carbohydrates. Milk contains fat, and besides, I'm lactose intolerant, and water, I can get water from the faucet any time. Besides, I prefer coffee or soda. So, But what if you live somewhere in the world where hunger and thirst were major ongoing concerns? We really don't know what that's like, I don't think. You didn't always know if there would be food for the next meal or clean water to drink or milk to provide additional nutrition. It's likely that many in the time that Isaiah spoke these words for God, those people understood what it meant to be hungry and thirsty in a chronic sort of way, or even if that was not the case, struggled to meet those needs in an arid country where water was not always plentiful or easily available, and one had to work hard to raise, harvest, prepare, or buy food. So, physical hunger, physical thirst is something we all understand and relate to. But there's a parallel here, isn't there? Because... 
Isaiah is not really talking about a physical need. He uses that language because we can relate to that. But the parallel is one that applies spiritually. In fact, that's what this passage is really about, isn't it? It's about a spiritual need, a yearning, a desire, an emptiness that we seek to fill. And the invitation is to everyone. All you who are thirsty, all you who are thirsty, come. The Hebrew word used for thirst here is a word that has a deeper meaning. Dr. F.C. Jennings, the great Hebrew scholar, put it this way. The imitation is for all who are dissatisfied and deeply feel that they are missing a vital ingredient in their life. I mean, way down here you feel that need. Scripture often speaks of this thirst, this longing for which only God can supply. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. And this is a familiar scripture to many of us. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Psalm 63.1 You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And that certainly has not only a a physical meaning, but a spiritual meaning as well. Psalm 143, verse 6. I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. Can you just sense that deep spiritual thirst, that desire, that longing. John 4, verses 13 through 15, it's the story of Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman who came out in the middle of the day, which was an unusual thing to do in the heat of the day, to draw water from the well. And there was a reason for that. She was a woman of ill repute. And Jesus meets her there and engages her in conversation, which was unusual for two reasons. She was a woman and she was a Samaritan. And Jesus knew who she was. He's God. He knew who she was. He knew what kind of life she was living. And he asks her for a drink and she gives him one. And they engage in conversation and And Jesus says, speaking of the water that she'd just given him, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And she's thinking, wow, that sounds great. And she said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here. To draw water. And Jesus was speaking to a deeper need, wasn't he? And she felt it. Augustine said, Our hearts are restless till they find their rest in thee, O God. Blaise Pascal said, There's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing. 
but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. And so here is Isaiah, and he speaks of this same vacuum, restlessness, the hunger, and the thirst that all mankind feels. In Matthew 5, 6, Jesus said this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You know, the word hunger in the scripture is often used to describe a deep longing. Thirst is used to describe a great craving. And so what Jesus is talking about here is that if we are ever going to find satisfaction for our soul, it will only come as we seek hunger and thirst for Him. For Jesus is our righteousness. And so I want to break down this passage today that we're looking at. And first I want to talk about the offer. Free food and drink. And it's at the right price. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. See, in the world we live in, we basically pay for everything. But everything that God offers here... He offers as a free gift. God does that, doesn't He? He offers things for free. Salvation is like that. It's free to us. Because Jesus paid the price. And so first here we are offered water. Hey, we, we, we do pay for water, don't we? We think of it as free, but I get a bill from the city every month. Water is essential to life and it speaks of the work of the Holy Spirit as, as a regenerator and giver of life. Water must be received first. You can do without the milk and you can do without the wine, but you can't do without the water. Water must be received first as it is life. In John chapter 7 verses 37 through 39. It says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So the invitation of Jesus to men was to come to him and drink the life-giving water that was the Holy Spirit. Water. Wine. He speaks of wine. It's the second type of drink offered. This speaks of joy. Joy comes from receiving life in Christ. Again, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. In Thessalonians 1.6 we read, You became imitators of us and of the Lord. This is Paul speaking here and of himself and his companions. You became imitators of us and the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And in Romans 14, verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, water is the life-giving spirit 
of the, the life that the Spirit gives. Wine represents the joy that the Spirit gives. And then milk. It's the third type of drink offered. Milk is essential for growth and development, especially for babies. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. <clears throat> Again, milk in the Bible is a picture of something else. It's a picture of the Word of God. Not only does God give us the water of life that saves us and the Spirit of God that gives us joy, He also gives us the Word of God that helps us grow up strong in the things of God. And then this passage in in verse 2 makes reference to bread. Why spend money on what is not bread? You know, bread is sometimes called the staff of life. My dad had it wrong. He said it was peanut butter. But I looked it up. And it bread is called the staff of life. So I looked, what, what does staff of life mean? Well, it means a staple or necessary food, especially bread. And, and bread is common to many cultures. It's kind of a, a basic food that's eaten. We speak of breaking bread together. Think of how often bread is mentioned in the Bible. Boy, when, when the, it talks of eating together, there, it often speaks of bread. Remember the story of Elijah and God tells him to go to the widow of Zarephath? And she's down to her last handful of flour and a little bit of oil. And what he says, well, go ahead and make a cake of bread for me. And, and, and because of her, her, her step of faith, God supplied flour and oil so she could continue to make bread through the duration of the drought that had afflicted the land. It was basically bread, the staff of life that they lived on. In Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, the prophet says this, When your words came, I ate them. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So bread, like milk, represents the word of God. It is what sustains us. It is what nourishes us. It is necessary for growth to maturity. And all of these things, the prophet says, God offers to us without cost. So next we look, well, the question. There's a question. Why waste your time and energy on things that do not satisfy? Well, we see a lot of that in the world we live in. A lot of water treading and wheel spinning and going nowhere and never being satisfied. You know, even though we may not recognize it as such, everyone knows a feeling of dissatisfaction that seeps into our souls at times. And whenever we attempt to find fulfillment with worldly substitutes, disappointment and disillusionment are sure to follow. Jeremiah, again the prophet Jeremiah says in chapter 2 verse 13, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, 
and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. In other words, they've looked elsewhere besides God. You know, I, I, and I see in this passage, as, as, we, as Isaiah speaks to this here, I see two different menus. Two different menus. Do you remember, uh, well, probably, I don't know if any of you ever listened to the Rolling Stones, but they sang a song that said, this was kind of the line repeated, I can't get no satisfaction. I try and I try and I try and I try. See, our problem is that we often do not recognize our thirst, or even when we do, we look for the wrong sorts of things to satisfy it. So we go to the, here's what the world has to offer menu. And here's the short version, because there could be a, it's an extensive menu. But here's the short version. We go to money. You know, Wesley had a three-point sermon uh, on how Christians were supposed to use money. And, and point one was earn all you can. Point two was save all you can. And point three was give all you can. And there's a lot of people in our world who are pretty good at trying to earn all they can and even saving all they can. But the giving all you can part kind of falls apart. But sometimes that becomes our goal in life. I mean, how much is enough? Well, there never is enough. That's what we seek to satisfy ourselves. For others, it's possessions. We earn money so we can buy stuff. You know, clutter our houses and fill up our garage so we can't even park our car in there anymore. And the basement and... We just stuff. It's kind of like that old thing you used to see the bumper stickers that said, he, he who dies with the most toys wins. And for some, it's fame or prestige, stardom. I want people to know who I am. And there are people like that. You know, celebrities, uh, athletes, uh, Maybe other people who are well-known because of their position out there somewhere, maybe in the government, politics. And then there, you know, there's kind of a step down. Uh, I'm well-known because I just have lots of followers. We talked about that recently. People who want followers. I'm known because... And then the next step down is, well, I just get lots of likes. And, and so it's this level of fame or prestige that we get from being known in those ways. For others, they turn to alcohol or drugs. That's the thing that they look to, to get them by. For some, it's pleasures or hobbies or pastimes. You know, what I'm into. I'm really into windsurfing. I'm really into skiing. I'm really into snowboarding. I'm really into motorcycle riding. I, I remember a um, long, long time ago when I worked for the Fish and Wildlife Service, one of the guys um, that I worked with had served in the Peace Corps in the Philippines. And we were talking about this one day, and he said, you know what the people in the Philippines were into? Survival. That's what they were into. They didn't have any of these fancy things to be into. But a lot of times that's what, you know, it's, 
it's getting out on the boat or whatever, or these hobbies, the things we invest our time in because we think that's the thing that will fulfill us. For some people, it's those sexual relationships. And boy, we hear a lot about that in the world we live in. You know, um, I think I might have shared this in a past message, but Wilt Chamberlain wrote his autobiography and and he claimed to have slept with 20,000 women over the course of his career. Yeah. And, and in our culture now, we have things that, you know, one night stands and recreational sex. For some people, that's what, that's where they seek fulfillment to fill that empty need in their life. And then there's those people who look to expertise or accomplishment. I think of people like, um, Olympians. They work and work, I mean, their whole life, they, they don't have a real job. They, their job is training, perfecting their athletic skill in pursuit of a gold medal. And, and what happens when you can't do that anymore? You know, um, Julie and I work out, well, I've been too, too, doing too good lately, but most of the time we work out on a regular basis in the gym in the morning. And I'm the oldest guy in there right now. Uh, I'll be 68 at the end of the month. And I look at these high schoolers and college athletes and 30-year-olds and, well, I used to be able to do that. And, and you know, it, that's what it is. You, you can reach the peak of perfection or accomplishment or expertise, but what happens with that's not important anymore? You can't do that anymore. Nobody's interested in your expertise anymore. Then how are you fulfilled and so all of these are efforts to find satisfaction in the, in the passing things of the world. And those things never fulfill or satisfy no matter how much is attained or acquired. Alexander the Great wept upon the throne of the world because there were no more nations to conquer. Billionaires have been asked in interviews how much is enough for them and they have answered without hesitation, there is never enough. Kings have lamented that there is no fulfillment even in the luxuries of royalty. There's still a hole, a longing, a yearning, a restlessness that can't be filled with those things. In contrast, we see God's menu. Limited selections. See, God is offering here the very staples of life, free of cost with no questions asked. So again, we see in these verses an offer of water, milk, wine, and bread. Not only water to quench thirst, spiritual thirst, but milk for strength and wine for gladness and bread for sustenance and growth. All found in and are attributes of Jesus Christ. So really, you could shorten the menu down to one item. Jesus. In John 6.35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In John 7.37, again, what Jesus said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. See, human efforts only... To, 
excuse me, human efforts to satisfy spiritual hunger always fall short. They fail in the end. Only Jesus can satisfy that inner hunger and thirst, that re- restlessness, that void, that vacuum that we feel in our lives that we, we just try to fill with so many other th- things. And so then we have, at the end of this, a promise. You, your soul, will enjoy fine dining. The richest of ferret says, eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. In Psalm 34, 8, it says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Man, this is good. Psalm 36, verses 8 and 9, it said, They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. He's speaking of God here. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Psalm 63, verses 4 and 5. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied. Boy, that's what so many are seeking for. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. And then in Philippians 4.19, My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. We're not just talking physical needs here. We're talking spiritual needs. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. So you'll get the, the water, the milk, the wine, and the bread that you need. To sustain you, to satisfy you, to fill you. Human efforts to satisfy spiritual hunger always fail in the end. Only Jesus can satisfy your inner hunger and thirst. Um, Do you remember the song, Only Jesus Can Satisfy Your Soul? Lanny Wolf wrote that a number of years ago. It, It goes like this. The world will try to satisfy that longing in your soul. You may search the wide world over, but you'll be just as before. You'll never find true satisfaction until you've found the Lord. For only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only He can change your heart and make you whole. He'll give you peace you never knew, sweet love and joy in heaven too. For only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Verse 2, if you could have the fame and fortune all the wealth you could obtain, yet you have not Christ within. Your living here would be in vain. There'll come a time when death shall call you, riches cannot help you then. So come to Jesus, for He can satisfy. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul, and only He can change your heart and make you whole. He'll give you peace you never knew, sweet love and joy in heaven too, for only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Amen? It's really true. God wants us to be satisfied. But He wants us to be satisfied with that which is satisfactory. 
He is the satisfactory one. As John Piper tells us, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied with him. Are you satisfied? Tell you, here's one, one area where we should not be satisfied, and that is in our growth in Jesus Christ. We are on a process, a journey, becoming more Christ-like. You can be unsatisfied there. You can want more. But these other things, never, they'll never meet the need. They'll never fill the hole. They'll never leave you satisfied. Pray with me. Father, um, even in our walk with Jesus, there are times in our journey. Maybe it's because of a need we're sensing in our life. Maybe it's because of a challenge we face. But we begin to look elsewhere, thinking, well, you know, there's, there's something in here, and you know, it's, it's a hunger, and... Uh, and I've gone to the refrigerator and I just nothing looks good. And so I, I think I better try this. And it doesn't do the job. Jesus, for satisfaction, we must always look to you. For you have promised us the water of life. The wine of the joy of the spirit. The milk of the word that sustains and nourishes, and the bread that sustains and nourishes, which is the word of God as well. We need to look to you. Not to these temporary things. Oh, we can say, well, man, that's fun. I'm enjoying that for a while, but pretty soon it doesn't meet the need and we're looking elsewhere. Oh, Jesus, that we would look to you always. Not the temporal things, but the eternal things. And so today, if, if there's something in our life that has become that thing that we feel like meets the need, may we put that in its proper place. So there, you know, there's nothing wrong with some of these things. There's nothing wrong with earning money as long as it has its place in our lives. There's nothing wrong with being known if it has its proper place in our life. If not, that's not what we're seeking to fulfill us. There's nothing wrong with recreations and pastimes and accomplishment and expertise if those are not what we're seeking to satisfy that deep need in our lives as long as they have their proper place. But Jesus, you are the one we must always seek to satisfy our souls. So if today we need to put something down, lay it aside, give it up, so that, Jesus, it is you we seek for fulfillment, so we can enjoy the richest affair that satisfies, then may we be obedient to the voice of your Spirit, to our hearts and minds today, to give you first place, seek you for fulfillment, and keep all those other things, Lord, in their proper place in our lives, so that none of them become that which we seek to satisfy us, but only Jesus And we ask these things in his strong name. Amen.